I just want to remind you we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper as we do uh, through every Sunday in Lent just to gear up and think about the, the resurrection of Christ. So that will be at the end of my message today. <clears throat> but I want to begin this morning here by, by talking about houses. I want to talk about building houses. Now, I, I know that there are people here in this room who know more about me, more about building houses than, than I do. Um, I know some have built houses from the scratch. I have not, um, but I do have Google, and I figured out just some of the things that are involved in building a house. Um, first thing you need to do, really, is to secure property, secure financing. And then once you have this property where you're, you're going to build and the, the house is designed, you need to clear the brush and the trees from where the foundation might, might lie, and a surveyor needs to come out and and, and survey the property and lay down the sticks of, of where the foundation be laid. And with heavy equipment, you come and you need to change the topology of the, the land so that when the rain comes, it's going to go away from the house and not onto the house. And, and when all that's done, you're ready to dig. And you're ready to, to, um, to pour the, the concrete for the foundation. You begin with the frost footings, digging down far enough so that the frost doesn't... Uh, get the, the footings of the, the foundation. And then any basement walls, you pour those. And then the slab, you pour that. And then once the concrete is poured, you begin framing the house. You wait for good weather. And then you, you take your two-by-fours and your nails and you, and, and you put them up and you put your walls up and you put the floors up and then maybe another floor, whatever. And then you put your roof and you, you angle that up. And then you install plywood on the roof. And then you you install your windows and your doors and your skylights and then the siding and the shingles and then the house is all, all set and prepared. And uh, once the shell is, is complete, then you do your electrical work and your plumbing work. And the furnace and air conditioning is installed. Insulation is put in. Then the drywall goes on top of that. And then comes the priming of the drywall and then the trim. And then you can build the basics of the house, the cabinetry, the sinks, the countertops, the ceiling, the lights. And the floors are installed and the toilets. And when everything is cleaned up, there's still exterior work to be done. The landscaping and the driveway and the garage. And then you're ready to move in and you're ready to make your house a home. Now, because of the complexity of all that's uh, involved in building a house, people often hire general contractors to do this work of, of organizing, to actually build the house. They order the materials, hire the tradesmen, coordinate the building inspections. And some... Tradesmen focus on, on quality. That is, they, they tend to be expensive because they cut no corners and provide only the best materials and build the best of houses. Other contractors focus their attention upon quantity and they tend to be cheaper because they want to make a house affordable as possible. And so they're always weighing the costs versus um, the, the benefits and they're weighing those costs carefully. But then the house that comes up with that is not as quality of a house. Well, this morning we come to our Bibles, we're going to find some builders of homes. And uh, one builds a home well, and the other does not build a home well. One is focused on building it the right way, and the other builds it the wrong way. The title of my message this morning is, is, which house is your home? Because you are invited to come into these houses. And indeed, all of us will enter one of these houses at, at some point. We need to really see which house is, is our home. That's the question of application from our text Proverbs chapter 9, if you haven't turned there, I would invite you to turn there. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the chair in front of you. You'll find one, page 533. 
And I really invite you to follow along because, as always, right, this is what expositional preaching is. I'm going to expose the text. We're going to read it. We're just going to come right out of that text of what we want to, want to see here so as to teach you how to read your Bibles, how to study the Bibles on your own. Proverbs chapter 9, the way of wisdom. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn to hear. To him who lacks sense, she says. Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he reproves a wicked man, incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied and your years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you're wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman of folly is loud. She's seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him will accent, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. The two builders, I trust you will see them. There is Lady Wisdom and there is Lady Foolishness. Well, in verses 1 through 3, we see the, the house of wisdom that Lady Wisdom builds. We see the construction taking place there in verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. That's obviously a poetic way of, of a wonderful and spacious house that she has built with her own hands. Maybe she hired tradesmen to build it. She probably did. She probably didn't lift all the concrete herself, but she organized and arranged this, this nice house with these pillars. It is lovely. And the aroma of dinner is in the air. We read of meat and drink that she has prepared there in verse 2. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. Listen, all is ready for this feast in the house of Lady Wisdom. In the house of this wine, wise woman, only one thing is lacking. What's lacking? Help me. What's lacking? People to fill those chairs is what's lacking. We need people to sit there. She doesn't have any guests. And so she sends out her maidens with her invitations not through the mail, but, but through these messengers and these helpers that, that go. And it says in verse 3, she has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in town. That is, she gets up to, to, the, to the hills or to the, the high place, the balconies, the places that overlook, and she shouts out and she cries out. These messengers do. And the invitation to the feast come to the, the simple. Verse 4, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And then she continues on, right? To him who lacks sense, she says, come and eat of my bread and drink of the wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the ways of insight. These simple ones, 
are the ones who lack sense. Right? This feast is a metaphor. The, the, the simple are the hungry, if you will. The, the simple are the thirsty. The, the simple are the ones who, who need food and they know that they need food. And, and the feast has been prepared and the invitation is really just to come and eat and drink. And, and the food is good. And what's more is, is the food is free. There's no cost for this. This isn't a restaurant that she's, she's advertising, right? This isn't some place, you know, that's saying, huh, come, eat at the Olive Garden, you will like it. Because at the Olive Garden, then the waitress will give you a, a large tab at the end of your meal. Such is not the case with Lady Wisdom. This is a party. She says, come and show up and enjoy the feast. I've prepared it. I need people to sit in these chairs, simple ones. Come in here and sit in these chairs and eat of the wisdom that comes for you. Sounds a lot like various places in Scripture, does it not? Isaiah 55, verse 1. Isaiah cries out, really the voice of the Lord. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. You're buying it in the sense that you're just entering in. You're coming in and with no money, without price, you're eating of the food. That's what the gospel is, right? We we come to God. We we enter into the house of wisdom with, with nothing. And we get to feast at the table. Sounds a lot like the parable that Jesus told, the wedding feast, which can be read in Matthew chapter 22. And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son, and he sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast and saying this, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat cows have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. This is the same cry of, of, of Lady Wisdom in her house. Just come to this feast. Maybe it's not a wedding feast here, but there is a, a wedding feast. So it sounds like the marriage supper of the Lamb, right? Of, of Revelation 19 with a, the culmination of all history. And we get to sit down at the table of the Lord. The, the marriage supper when the church is wed to Jesus and we all live in happy harmony. This sounds a lot like the final invitation of Scripture. Revelation 22 verse 17. Almost towards the end of the very last chapter of the Bible we read this. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty Come. And let the one who desires take the water of life without price. See, this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a a free invitation to come to the party and feast in the banquet that God has prepared. And the question of the children of men is this. Will you come? Will you come and enter into the house of wisdom? And sadly, there are many who don't come. In fact, when Jesus told this parable, the wedding feast... He said to those who invited, right, he, he invited those, but, but those who invited, were invited, paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, one to his business. He said, oh, yeah, okay, you invited me to the wedding feast, but I'm busy here. Or I'm busy over here. I'm right, distracted. And there were some, Jesus said, who seized his servants, right, who come with invitation in hand and treated them shamefully and even killed them. Right there it is, the paradox, I guess, of of the kingdom, that it's offered freely to all who would come and enjoy. Offered freely to all who'd turn from their sin and who would trust in Jesus and then come to this feast and feast with Jesus. But many ignore the call and are even angry to the ones who would offer this invitation of this free meal at the banquet. 
It's just how it is, right? Many prefer their, their own lives to the feast that God offers in His kingdom. And that's what Lady Wisdom is offering here in Proverbs 9. She's prepared this feast for all who are willing to come to the party, but they need to enter the house. And they enter the house, right, by turning from their folly into live in the way of wisdom. If you look there at verse 6, there's the message, right? Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the ways of insight. This is, this is metaphorically, right? When you, you go into the house of Lady Wisdom, right? You're, you're leaving your simple ways out in the street and you're finding insight there. And, and you're going to find life there. And in fact, this is chapter 9. It's the end of really the, uh, the, the section of Proverbs that's, that's Solomon's story to his children or to his son. And it's like the, the last chapter as before he goes into the topical Proverbs, which we're going to begin tackling some of those in, in weeks to come. But here it's almost like this, this last urging of, of, of everything that Solomon is trying to say. In fact, the beginning of this little book in uh, Proverbs 1 and verse 2, the whole reason why, Pro, why Proverbs is written, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. See, the Proverbs are calling us to understand life and to walk in the ways of wisdom. The, the Proverbs, you just think about, right? Chapter 1 is telling us to avoid the wrong crowd. Right? If sinners entice you, do not consent. Stay away from the wrong crowd. That's the unwise way to walk. Right? And avoid the, the evil woman who would draw you in. The forbidden woman who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. Avoid that. Avoid the sexual temptations and sins. The Proverbs tell us to trust in the Lord with all our heart. Lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Right? Trusting in the Lord. And how do you do that? You, you do that by being generous with your resources. Trusting the Lord to make up your lack. You do that by walking in the ways of righteousness. By rejoicing in the wife of your youth. By being diligent in your work. Proverbs 6. To treasure up God's commandments within you. To fear the Lord and to hate evil. And all that is summed up in verse 6. Leave your simple ways and live. Walk in the ways of insight. And and, and those themes that have come in Proverbs 1 through 9 are the ways of insight. They're the themes of the ways in which we must walk. Children, I encourage you especially, this is written to you, to walk in those ways. And in so doing, you will enter the house of wisdom and that house will become your home. Well, you say, Steve, how do, I, how do I do that? How do I practically enter into the house of wisdom? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked because that comes in verses 7 through 12. It's my second point, how to build a wise house. And here we're just pulling out that. I've just pulled from 7 through 12. There are really three principles. I've just pulled right out of the text. First one here is to be teachable. I think that comes in verses 7, 8, and 9. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. Right? The first three phrases talk about coming unto someone who is unteachable. And, and if you come and try to teach someone who is unteachable in the ways of wisdom, you're just going to get abuse coming right back towards you. 
And then the last three phrases speak about, but if, if you come and you reprove someone who's wise and you try to instruct them in the way of wisdom, you're going to get blessing and benefit back to you and they are going to benefit as well. And I just say, this is so true. If you try to impart some wisdom to those who know it all, they will come back and shame you to your face. They will claim you don't understand. They'll think that you're the one giving the bad counsel. You try to help and all you get is thrown back in your face. Sometimes uh, friendships are rifted. Right? The result is, is conflict and hardship and emotional distress. Even when you've come humbly and tried to be a help. A great example of this, of course, the interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees. Jesus is the one who had all wisdom on the earth and, and was constantly giving wisdom to the Pharisees. And yet they were rejecting him and reviling him. And over and over and over again this happened. Why? Because the Pharisees weren't teachable. They knew the truth better than anybody else. Or so they thought. And they were walking in God's ways more than anybody else. Or so they thought. And no one was going to come and tell them what to do. So even when all wisdom comes to these people who are unteachable, they threw it back in the face of Jesus. And so my, my counsel to all of you is this. If someone confronts you ever, tries to instruct you in the way of wisdom, be humble, be teachable, hear them out, thank them for their insight. And if you think they're unreasonable, all right, if you think they're giving you bad counsel, ask someone else. Ask them what, what they think. As Proverbs 11 verse 14 says, in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. And if you think that person tells you bad advice, then ask another one and another one and soon you will find, if you're genuinely open, that it's the wisdom of the crowds that's going to help speak wisdom into your life. And the wise one is the one who seeks out instruction as the last three phrases speak about, you teach a righteous man and he'll increase in learning. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. He'll be wiser still. And I've just seen this so often. Uh, of wise people seeking counsel and seeking help and seeking instruction. Um, you know, it's, it's oftentimes, right, particularly even maybe sometime at, at church, right? Even church is a good example of that, right? We're coming to God to say, hey, we need wisdom there are people who, who don't attend church. They think they're wise in their, their own self. So all of you are to be commended as wise people. But there are oftentimes, even when the, the church offers things more, like I, I think particularly, it's really, really struck me before, like whenever we put on a, a parenting sort of thing, you know who always comes to that? The best parents always come. Always. And then there are those who just like, oh, I wish they were here. Right? They don't come, but they need help. But it's often the wise people who come who, who need help, and they'll be, they'll be wiser still. Or you hold some kind of marriage seminar. Who comes? People with the best marriages come. Right? And those who need help right, tend not to come because they don't, they don't want that sort of instruction. So I just encourage you, whoever walks with the wise will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And I say, you want to be wise? Walk with wise people. Expose yourself to wise things. Don't suffer harm. Well, how to build a wise house? Be teachable. How, how to build a wise house? Secondly, fear the Lord. That's right here in, in verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. This really is the core of Proverbs. This is what Proverbs is, is teaching us. Speaking about how to live 
in the presence of the Lord. That's what, that's what, what, what Proverbs are about. And, and it is no accident that it comes in chapter 1 and verse 7. We saw that. That's how this little book of, of uh, instructions to the youth begins. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise this knowledge and wisdom and instruction. And here it is at the end of this book. Right? The end of this chapter, these nine chapters. Right, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. In fact, in many ways, this is the, the peak of this passage. Right? Because it starts off talking about the house of wisdom. And it shows us how to live wisely, peaking here at the fear of the Lord. And then it's going to talk about the Lady of Folly. And, and, and the Hebrew Scriptures, in the, the Bible, oftentimes, we, we want to put the biggest point at the end. In fact, I, I thought about putting verse 10 at the end. But I thought I'd preach it like the Hebrew Scriptures do. Oftentimes, the point's right in the middle of the story is when things happen. That's not always, but many times it does. It's just right here. And how do you live in the presence of the Lord? Well, you follow the book of Proverbs. Why is it that we turn from evil? Why do we turn from sinners? Because the Lord hates evil. Why is it if sinners entice you, do not consent, do you not go with them? It's because God hates what they're doing. Why do we treasure up the commandments of the Lord in our hearts? Because... Proverbs 2, verse 6, it's from the Lord who gives wisdom, and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. Why do we live uprightly? Proverbs chapter 2, verse 8, because the Lord is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Why do we trust the Lord with, with all of our hearts? Because God is the one who's going to make our path straight. That's living in the, the, the presence of God. Why are we generous? Because the Lord sees what we give and works behind the scenes for our good. Why do we embrace the discipline of the Lord? Because the Lord reproves those whom He loves. Proverbs 3, verse 12. Why do we avoid immorality? Because a man's ways are before the eyes of a Lord. Proverbs five twenty one. Why do we speak what is true? Because the Lord hates a lying tongue. Proverbs six sixteen through 19. Listen, in all this Proverbs, all the Proverbs are built on the foundation of the fear of the Lord, and they all go back to that. And if you want to build a wise house, then live every day in the presence of the Lord. Follow the ways of wisdom because if you do, then blessings will come into your life. And in fact, that's what verse 11 and 12 are, are talking about. They're talking about the blessings. For by me, your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you're wise, you're wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you alone will bear it. Uh, over in chapter 4 and verse 10, same idea. Hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many I mean, really, this is a moral rule of the universe that righteousness leads to a long life. Now, that's, that's not true in every circumstance, um, but the exception proves the rule. In other words, for every righteous person that dies young, there are another 20 that live long. Because that is there's a rule. It's because the Lord is watching over the earth. He knows the way of man. It's the wicked who will be cut off from the land but the righteous will be protected and will be endured. And there's many ways in which he protects us. He protects us from accident because we don't put ourselves in risky situations. He protects us from disease. He protects us from calamities because God's, God's hand is around us. We just trust that. And it's not true in every instance, but that is um, kind of the, the general rule. Look, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness, and they do not know over what they, they stumble. 
And there it is, right? The, those who walk in darkness just stumble and fall and hurt themselves and will be cut off. To un- understand the blessing, not only is it long life, but it's, it's best for you. Look, look at verse 12 of chapter 9 again, right? If you are wise, you're wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. I mean, this is the way of the Lord. When He instructs us with things, He instructs us for our good. It's, it's like the best way to walk is when He talks to us. Listen, right? All the Proverbs instruct us in life, and they, they teach us how to know and to understand and how to experience the, the fullness of life, that the, the blessings might come. In, in chapter 3, in verses 17 and 18, Solomon just describes the blessing of one who walks in wisdom, saying this, her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her, and those who hold her fast are called blessed. Right? So you need to really understand the blessing if you want to build a wise house, because this is what's going to motivate you towards walking in, in the right way, to know that it's, it's good for you. And, and it's the path of peace. It's the path, uh, path of, of blessing. It's the desired path. So really the question is, right, how are you going to build your house? Which, which house are you going to enter into? Are you going to be teachable? Are you going to fear the Lord? Do you understand the blessings? Are, are you going to really then walk and build a wise house? Are you going to build a house of, of folly? Which comes in the third point, the house of folly. We read about this house of folly in verses 13 through 18. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest place of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there and her guests are in the depth of Sheol. And this clearly is a contrast, right, with a house of wisdom. Right? Both of these houses are, are home to women. And both these women are inviting people to come in. Um, they, they both, right, well, the, the, the one, there might be subtle differences where the wise woman sends out her messengers. But I suspect in some regard the woman of folly is, is alone. And these messengers, they go and they sit on the high place and they call out to the simple. And, and we also have, right, people, the, the woman of folly sits right there in the, the high place as well. Verse 14, taking her seat at the highest places of the town. I mean, I, I just think about how, how like this is to uh, freshman orientation. And, and kids, if you ever go to college, right, there's, there's this day, right, before classes start, your freshman year, you're there, you're being oriented to things. And, and you can walk down the, the plaza of the, the college, whatever, and there are Christian groups that are saying, hey, come in here, right? Come to Campus Crusade or come to this church group. And then there are, are groups over here which are trying to pull you the other way. And they're all kind of shouting and they got information and they're trying to hand it out. They're trying to help you which way to go. That's, that's a perfect picture of what's happening here. You've got, you've got these people walking down <clears throat> the place, and you've got these people in the high places. The, the messenger from Lady Wisdom is over here, and they're shouting, hey, come to our house, come to our house. And you have Lady Folly over here, right? Come to my house, come to my house, come to my house. And they're promising various sorts of things. But it's so interesting here, the parallel. The, the, they're both inviting the same group of people. Look at verse 16. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Look at verse 4. 
Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. They're calling the same person. The person, remember, the simple person is the one who just doesn't even think about life, just walks through life and is carrying on. And they're both trying to get the simple one to come into their home. And the persuasion comes as well. The persuasion of Lady Folly says this in verse 17, right? To him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. So it's seducing people with the, the evil, right? Let's go steal together. It's like chapter one. Let us have our purse together. Let's go. It's going to be sweet. It's going to be great, right? We're going to, we're going to get without cost. Come on. It's just, just us. We're going to steal it all. It's exactly like what the wise woman says in verse beginning four. To him will lack sense. Her message is, is different, but it's still enticing. Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk. In the ways of insight. And so it isn't interesting here that the, the woman of folly says, Come, we're going to take things from other people so we can have for ourselves. And Lady Wisdom says, Come, I have much to give you. It's all yours. And these messages couldn't really be more opposite. The wise woman brings a message of hope and blessing. The foolish woman brings a message of, of death and destruction and evil and stealing. The, the wise woman has a feast prepared for all who come into her home, ready to give, but there's no mention of any feast for the foolish woman. She needs help to go out and steal and take whatever is going to be had. Walking through the doors, though, is a totally different experience. That's the ways of those who choose wisdom. They're going to go in and see this feast. And those who choose foolishness, as they walk into Lady, uh, Lady Folly's room, it's going to be a different thing. There's going to be no feast prepared. It's going to be dark. There's going to be destruction that's going to come. And the sad thing is, the one who enters does not even realize it. Verse 18, but he does not know that the dead are there and that our guests are in the depths of Sheol. Right? And here's, here's, here's the issue, right? The, the fundamental issue is they're trusting in their own wisdom and they're not trusting in the counsel of the Lord. Right. And, and so they go and they see this attractive and they say, well, well, I like that. And so they go. It's Proverbs twelve fifteen says the, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. And how many there are who have walked through this path of life and have spurned the counsel of their friends and have walked headlong into Lady Folly's house and have walked headlong into destruction. How many children there are who have rebelled against the counsel of their parents only to face a life of pain and hardship in the end because they chose the way of foolishness rather than the ways of, of wisdom. It often hits them without even realizing what has happened. Sometimes the boom, they'll wake up and they'll say, oh, what happened? Such is the case with the one in Proverbs 7 with much seductive speech. She persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. Come to my house. Come to my house. It'll be sweet. We'll have everything that we want. Proverbs 7.22, and all at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter and as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver and a bird rushes into a snare. He does not know that it will cost him his life. What a sad thing it is, right? That, that here are simple ones. They just walked in their simple ways, have walked through life, haven't really thought about it, haven't been taught so much, haven't listened, right? Not listening to the counsel of friends, not following in the fear of the Lord. They just found themselves in this house only to meet destruction in the end. And really, this is the, the culmination of this little book of Proverbs, that, this little book for the young. 
chapters 1 through 9. Here it is. It's just laid out as clear as can be. You've got the wise way. You have the foolish way. As I think about bringing my, my message to a head, I, the words of Jesus come to my mind. Right? At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, you can just turn over there. We're not coming back here to, to Proverbs. Matthew chapter 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon ever preached by the most famous preacher who ever lived, Jesus. And when he came down to his, his core dividing line, after preaching the way of righteousness, after preaching how we need to, to, to seek perfection as our Holy Father is perfect, realizing that we're broken in ourselves, and blesses the one who's poor in spirit, who will cry out to the Lord, who pursues and seeks after righteousness, righteousness in the right way that's not flamboyant, that's not, look at how I pray, look at how I fast, look at how I give, but really trusting the Lord, doing to others you would have them do to you. Entering this narrow gate by the way of Jesus into the heaven, <clears throat> into heaven, the, the kingdom. Then he says this, verse 24, kind of at the end, select Solomon exactly. Everyone then who hears the words of mine and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Maybe, kids, you know this, this song, right? The story, right? The wise man built his house upon the rock, right? And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. It had been a, a firm house. It had been a house built right in, in the ways of wisdom, right? The, the idea here is that is he's the wise man. Who built his house on the rock. <clears throat> Trust in the Lord. Founded on Jesus. But, verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And the house on the sand went, what? Smash, right? And it fell. And great was the fall of it. And so what, what's the issue here? Is it like, where are you building your house? As I began my message this morning, talking about all that goes into building, right? Laying the foundation, putting up the walls, right? Putting up the floors, then putting up the roof, and, cl- and closing it, and then furnishing it, and painting everything, and priming everything, putting down the floors. Like, you build your house day by day as you make your choices in the way of life. And that, that house is big, and it's, it's, it's long, and it, it lasts for many years. And just, just time after time, you, you, you choose whether it's going to be a, a good house or a bad house, whether it's going to be the, the wise house, or whether it's going to be the house of folly. And you just make those choices day in and day out, and then the storm's going to come, and you'll either fall or you'll withstand it because of where you have made that, made your house. And I just think about, right, ultimately we want to grasp wisdom. And where is wisdom to be found? It's to be found in Jesus. So, so turn over to Colossians. This is where we're, we're truly going to end as we segue to the Lord's Supper. I just want to show you where wisdom is that the New Testament speaks about wisdom that we find. Yes, everything in Proverbs is exactly true about how you find wisdom. But ultimately that wisdom is found in Jesus Paul says at the beginning of chapter 2, he says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. Right Here's Paul. He's away. He doesn't even know these people. They're in Colossae, Laodicea. They're real close to each other. And he says, I just have a burden for you. I've not seen you, but I have this burden that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, 
to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Christ is really the, the end of where it all comes. And it's, it's not, I've tried not this morning to preach morality, though morality will end in good places in this life, but ultimately it's Jesus who then empowers us, gives us this wisdom, understanding to be teachable, teaches us how to walk in the fear of the Lord, and it's Jesus that we understand and know the great blessings that come. See, all the the treasures of wisdom and knowledge come in Jesus. In fact, that's exactly what it says in verse 3, in whom, that's in Jesus, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You think you want wisdom and knowledge? You find it in Jesus. You find it in Christ. Now, Solomon helps to show how that works itself out. But when you trust and work in Christ, right? When you, you trust in Jesus, the way it will live itself out is listening to the words of Jesus and doing them. And when you listen to the words of Jesus and you do them, it's like you've entered into the house of wisdom. And when you've entered in the house of wisdom, you build your house on the rock. But if you hear the words of Jesus and you don't follow after them, you don't believe them, you don't trust them, you don't obey them, it's like you've entered the house of folly, you're on the sand. And when this judgment comes, destruction comes, your house is going to fall over. So really, it's a, a decision, right, for all of us. Where are we going to walk? Are we going to walk in the ways of wisdom? Are we going to walk in the ways of folly? As we celebrate the Lord's Supper, this, again, is a, an opportunity for us to reflect and kind of refocus and, and just say, yes, I, I want to I focus my, my heart, my attention upon Jesus and upon His righteousness and trust Him and trust Him alone and walk in his ways. And maybe today, even before we celebrate the Lord's Supper, you just need to say, you know what, God? I've been in the house of folly. And I need to get out of that house. Help me out of that house. Because truth be told, right, this, is a, this is a broad picture, but there are many times we walk through life that we might go into the house of folly. We need to get out of that house. And we need to walk in the way of, of wisdom, right? Teenagers, kids, you have your friends, right? And you, you go to people's houses. And sometimes, right, you, you might, might be in places you don't want to be. Right? But, but this is like you go into a house of all, you don't want to be there, right? You want to be in the house of wisdom. And when you walk in your life and you're making those choices, you, should, you want to make sure you're, you're in the house of wisdom. That's where you want to be. That's where the blessing is. Right? That's where the, the food is. That's where the joy is. That's where the blessing is. Rather than in a house of folly. So when we bow our heads, we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Again, focusing our attention upon the cross. And it is at the cross of Jesus Christ where our our sins are forgiven and where we are made righteous and holy before the Lord. And it's through the strength in Jesus that we are strengthened then to to walk in the newness of life and to, to live after the ways of Him. I mean, how is it that we can ever fulfill the Proverbs? It's not our own strength, but it's on the strength that Jesus provides. How is it we'll ever be forgiven for our lack of living righteously perfectly? It's only through Jesus and what He provides because in Him are all the treasures of, of wisdom and knowledge. So I just encourage you now, just even as we reflect once again of celebrating the Lord's Supper, just reflect upon your heart and your, your choices and which, which house you're hanging out at. Which kind of choices you're making. And if the choices are are wrong i just encourage you to repent and turn and and seek to trust in christ seek to get over to fall to wisdom's house and leave the house of folly by listening to others by by treasuring the word of god in your life 
and knowing the blessings that come. So Father, I would pray now as we sing about the cross, we reflect upon the cross, realize that we, we come with nothing in our hands. We just walk through that door and see the feast that's laid out before us of all the treasures of the riches that are in Christ Jesus, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We receive an inheritance in Him. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise through Him.